Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles today, please. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5, but I want you to turn to Mark chapter 2, first of all. So Luke chapter 5 will be our text this morning, but I'm going to do something a little bit different and read a little bit from Mark chapter 2 as we start this morning. So as you're turning, you might look for both of those places and put a finger in each one, and we'll read a little bit from each. But Mark chapter 2 is where we'll start. Uh, as, as the children are dismissing, let me remind you of a couple of things. If you're with us for the first time today, we want to thank you for being our guest. If you've never filled out a connection card or a visitor's card, you might call it, we'd like to have a record of your visit. And if you would fill that out, uh, we'd be happy to send you a Tim Hortons gift card as a thank you for attending today. If you want to do it digitally, you can just open up the bulletin that you received when you came in the door. And on the inside corner there, you will find a little QR code. You scan that with your phone. It'll take you right to a little form on our website, and you can fill in your information there. And then upon completion, we will send you a Tim Hortons gift card this week digitally that you can just use right on your Tim Hortons app. How's that? Uh, for modern technology, all right? But if you're old-fashioned, we, we got cards out in the hallway at the Welcome Center. Just fill one of those out, drop it in the offering box, or give it to an usher, and we'd be happy to mail you a card uh, with a thank you letter this week. We'd love to have a record of your visit with us. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. We're not going to solicit anything. We just want to send you a thank you and be a blessing to you. If you ever have a need, we want to be there to help you. Also, let me encourage you to pray this morning. Uh, if you haven't opened your email yet this morning, you will see it when you get home. Uh, the Piper family, our missionaries to New Zealand, we support both Garth and Lynette Piper, and then uh, their children, Gareth Piper and his wife. And uh, they had a grandchild pass away this morning. Now, they're you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours ahead of us, but it was February 26th. Uh, on January the 10th, they found out their grandchild had an aggressive form of cancer and just six weeks later has gone home to be with the Lord. And so let's, let's pray for this family. There's, uh, there was eight grandchildren, so the other seven are really hurting. Uh, there's three families there, uh, three families, and, mom, and then grandma and grandpa. And so all these families are hurting today. And so let's remember our missionaries, the Piper family, uh, in our prayers today. Also... Uh, let's remember we have some in the Philippines right now on some, uh, I guess you'd call it missionaries work. There's a spiritual leadership conference in, uh, for Asia for pastors over there. And uh, so the judges have gone over to that. And Brother Judge will be speaking at a uh, businessman's meeting in the next couple days. And so would you pray for him? He's very nervous speaking anyway, but to get up, there'll probably be six, eight, seven, eight hundred people there that he'll have to address about business practices and, and uh, you know, keeping Christ centered in your business and things like that. And so he'll be, he'll be speaking to that crowd in the next couple days. And then our son Austin uh, got to preach in the Philippines uh, today. I guess you say today. It's already it's midnight in the Philippines on Monday, 10 after 12 Monday morning in the Philippines. So their church day is done, but he got to preach Sunday morning in a church. And, and uh, Sunday, he looks like a giant over there. They took pictures, and he's the, the six-foot white boy in the middle of the crowd and, and just kind of stands out like a giant. But uh, we praise the Lord for the opportunity God has given the judges in Austin to go over and to be a part of that ministry. So pray for them as they travel, and the next few days will be preaching in different places and teaching. And so we appreciate their willingness to do that. And they did that at their own cost, by the way. Uh, Austin paid for his ticket, and the judges paid for theirs. And uh, they were invited to go, but they, they paid their own cost to do that. So we appreciate the sacrifice. And then I want to share some good news. Adam and Rachel Carson are expecting again. 
And Adam texted me this morning. We've known for a little bit, but he said, we just had the 20-week ultrasound last week, so she's about 21 weeks now, and all looks good. So he said, please tell it to the church because we want everybody praying for us. And so praise the Lord for another little one uh, God's going to bless Adam and Rachel with uh, this, this coming summer, I guess. It'll be, when's the due date? I'm sorry? The 26th of June. Okay. He loves speaking in front of people, don't you, Brother Adam? The 26th of June. So just a few months off, and uh, we praise the Lord uh, for that. So let's pray for uh, Rachel and the little one, and then Adam as well. If you've never lived with a pregnant woman, you, you need to pray for Adam as well. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Man, it's good to laugh, isn't it? The Lord is good to us and gives us so much, but he gives us joy as well. Let's look at Mark chapter 2 this morning. I want to preach a message if the Lord would help me called a wasted opportunity. A wasted opportunity. Here's what I've been doing this year, and our theme, of course, is Speak Jesus. And uh, Donna and Kelvin just sang a great song right along the line of that theme uh, about speaking Jesus or professing him with our lives and letting the world see Christ in us. And so as a part of that, I, I wanted to learn more and study more, so I've been studying the book of Mark. I don't know why I picked Mark. I've, I've preached through the book of John, and I preached the miracles from the book of John another time, and I just decided I just want to pick a book, one of the Gospels, and so I picked Mark. But what I've been doing as I studied the book of Mark, you'll notice probably in your Bible too, that at the top of almost every paragraph, it'll say Matthew, and it'll say Luke, and it'll tell the other passages where that same thing is found. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic Gospels. They all three kind of parallel each other. Now, they come from a different perspective. They come from a different person. But they also are speaking to a different audience. The book of John is vastly different than the first three. It is a completely different perspective, and it tells different stories even uh, than the others. And so, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So as I study Mark, I go and I read in Matthew, and I read in Luke, and I try to study it all together. And, And then what happens is I end up preaching on the passage on the one that kind of grabs me. And so that's what I did last Sunday. I've been studying Mark, but I preached from Matthew. And today, I'm studying Mark, but I'm actually preaching from Luke, this great story about the man who was sick of palsy and was let down through the roof to be healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's something I saw in the book of Luke that I've never seen before. And so I want you to notice as we read in the book of Mark, because it gives us some details about the story that will help us understand the entire message this morning. So let's look there, if you will, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, and again he entered into Capernaum. And right now we already have a fact that we don't find in Matthew and Luke. This took place in the town of Capernaum. We don't see that in the other uh, passages. We just see that he was in the regions of Galilee. And again, he entered into Capernaum and some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered. You might mark verse 2 where it says, many were gathered because the book of Luke is going to give us some more details about who the many were. And that's, that's why we're going to look at the book of Luke, because it's so important who these people were. The Bible says, Straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they under They uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
How many of you know that's going to get people upset? Verse 6, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? They answered their own question, didn't they? For he was God in the flesh. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine own house. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 5, and the moment you find your place, we'll have a word of prayer. Luke chapter 5, as we continue reading about this great story of Jesus healing the one sick of the palsy. Luke chapter 5. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come to you this morning in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for what you've already done in my heart. Lord, what a blessing to worship your holy name and to be reminded that you're almighty and all-powerful, and yet we can do all things through Christ, or because Christ liveth within us. Father, thank you for these children that Brother Cody brought up and reminded us today that we need to pray for them and lift them up before the throne of grace. And I pray, Lord, that as they're in junior church, the Word of God will be communicated clearly to their hearts, Lord, that they might understand. Thank you for these new members today that were baptized only a week ago. Thank you for the souls that were saved this week. Thank you for the one that will be baptized later in this service. Father, we're just so grateful for the being able to witness the hand of God move among us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd continue your work. We think of Brother Roberts preaching in London today, that you would fill him with the Spirit and use him and help him. We pray for the Piper family with an unimaginable sorrow and grief today. God, we pray that you'd comfort them. It's amazing to think at this very moment, the same Spirit of God that can fill Brother Roberts or fill each one in this room can be all the way around the world comforting the the Piper family. But Lord, that's just how big our God is. So I pray, Lord, that you would just speak peace to that situation. Help us now in this place, tune out all the things of this world, the schedules of tomorrow, and help us to focus only upon the Word of God and the work of God. Lord, I need your help. I surrender to you. Fill me, I pray. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, if you will, at Luke chapter 5, and I'll direct your attention to verse 16. In verse 16, we find the parallel passage, and you'll Notice that Mark jumps in right in chapter 2, speaking about these things. But in Luke, we don't find it till Luke chapter 5. And the reason for that is we have the, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ recorded in the book of Luke. Whereas in the book of Mark, we start with the ministry of John the Baptist. And so we're fast-tracking just a little bit, but we're still very early in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I believe we're almost a year into his ministry, and not much really has taken place. The Lord is still choosing his disciples over a period of time, but now he's about to burst into popularity. And God is going to do a great work, and the Lord will no longer be able to come and go quietly, 
but he'll be thronged by the masses. And I believe this is part of the start of it. As the Bible says, there was many gathered in this house. And look what it says in verse 16. And he withdrew himself in the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him, and they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. They went upon the housetop and let him down through the thing with his couch, or through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Had I only read the first two verses, you might have thought it was a different story all together. But the Bible says as we get a little bit more into the story that it's the same man sick of the palsy. Now that allows us to back up and understand a little bit more. The Bible says it was just in a certain house, but the Bible tells us in Mark chapter uh, 2 that it was actually in the town of Capernaum. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2 there were many in this house, but in Luke chapter 5 it tells us who the many were. Notice what it says in verse 18, and behold, or sorry, verse 17, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The Bible says later on in verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason. And so I believe the doctors of the law were also scribes, and the scribes and the Pharisees made up this many people that we read about in Mark chapter 2. Now, are we okay with that? Mark chapter 2 says there were many there, and I want to suggest to you to do today, based on Luke chapter 5, the many that were there were all Pharisees and doctors of the law. The Bible says they came from Galilee, they came from Judea, they came to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem. That's a long way to come. It's a good 70-mile trek from Jerusalem to the areas of Galilee, and especially the city of Capernaum, which was on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And so they had come from a long way, and I imagine with this group of people that had gathered, that was enough to fill this house. The scribes, the Pharisees, and the doctors of law. Now let me ask you this. When you hear about the scribes and the Pharisees and what we know about them from Scripture, do you suppose this was a religious summit or an inquisition? No doubt they were there to try to find out who this Jesus was. I believe it was still a discovery phase, if you will, and that's why they came from so far. I imagine there were delegates sent from almost every synagogue in the area and said, go and find out who this Jesus is. Who is this one that can turn water into wine? Who is this one that can heal the leper spots? And so the, the power of God had been made manifest in this person named Jesus Christ that we know to be the Christ, the Messiah. And all of these Pharisees and scribes and doctors of the law said, we want to find out. I like what Luke says, they were doctors of the law. He said, why is that important? Because they were trying to measure him up. They were trying to find out, does he line up with our rites and our ceremonies and our religion and all the law of Moses? Does he fit right into this box that we have decided is right and good? And so they came, and they filled this house. I, I have no doubt it was more of an inquisition. There might have been some there with genuine, sincere hearts. There might have been some there that had actually seen a miracle take place. 
and their hearts were stirred. We know in the Bible there were other religious leaders who turned to Christ. The Bible talks about Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night, who later on was present at the burial of Christ. He helped another man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, who was part of the council. The Bible says he was a Pharisee, part of the the council, and, and he was one that also begged for the body of Christ and helped to bury it. Both these men were believers, but secretly for fear of the Jews. There were some there, I believe, that were sincerely wanting to know, is this the Christ? Is this the Messiah? But there were so many more that were there to trip him up, to show him as an imposter, to prove that he was false. But here we were, this motley crew that had gathered. And I want you to notice some things about it this morning that, that caught my attention. I want you to notice, first of all, the potential. This, I'd never seen this before. I'd never thought about this before. But look at verse 17, and don't miss it this morning. The Bible says, And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was what? Present to heal who? Them. Who's them? The Pharisees and the doctors of the law. I, I think you're all pretty, pretty good in here. How many of you can count to 20? Yeah? How many of you know that Verse 18 comes after verse 17 then. In other words, the man who was sick with palsy, who we often focus our attention on, don't we? This is, this is the story of the, the men that tore off the roof, the four men that, that were there to help their friend and to lower him down into the presence of Jesus. And he would find miraculous healing at the feet of Jesus. And that's what this story is all about. But I want you to notice that the present the power of the Lord was present to heal them before that man ever showed up. And when the Bible says them, he's talking about the Pharisees, the scribes, and the doctors of law. What an opportunity they missed. What an opportunity. To think that you're sitting in the very presence of holy God. How many of you think some of those fellows had some aches and pains? Some of them might have come just to find out, is he really a healer? Because I need something from him. If I were to go around this room and ask for a show of hands or maybe a testimony from each and every person, we probably all could name one thing. Couldn't you? Anybody here perfect? Your hearing is 100%. Your eyesight is... Anybody with glasses, we already have a complaint to lay at the feet of the Lord. Aches and pains? You sore? I mean, maybe only those kids that left this room can say, I'm, I'm 100% good. But all of us have something, and I'd have to think that living in those days with the health care as it was, not like it is today, that everyone in that room had an opportunity to ask the healer, the great physician, for some help in their lives, and they missed the opportunity. But isn't that like us? Isn't that like us? We have the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and yet we find things to complain about. Things that are based upon our personal preferences and things that we don't like and things that just don't line up with our own personal theology. And isn't that what the the Pharisees were doing? They were doctors of the law saying, "Now, now does he fit into our theology? 
Does God fit in this box that we have created for him? And they missed out on the very blessing of God. You say, I don't do that. Mary and Martha did, didn't they? Mary knew to sit at the feet of Jesus while Martha, the Bible says, was cumbered about with much care. She missed out on the Lord's best. We read throughout the scriptures and we find time after time where people have missed out on God's best. The Bible says that Jesus ministered throughout Nazareth, but he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. God in the flesh came to Nazareth, born in Nazareth, lived in Nazareth, made it his childhood home. And when he returns, he would say, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country. I didn't mean to say he was born in Nazareth. That was a mind thing. He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth. But when he came back, he said, I can't do anything here because of their unbelief. The place that housed God in the flesh for all those years missed out on the very glory of God because of their unbelief. How many times do we pray half-heartedly have the very God of all power in the presence in this room. Have you ever been in one of those services where you see people go on the altar and you wonder, what's wrong with them? Maybe God is moving and God is touching a heart and God is speaking. But like the Pharisees, we sometimes have a critical spirit or a cynical attitude. And how we approach Jesus determines what we get from him. How he works in our lives in this meeting, we see in Luke chapter 5, Jesus was not the welcome guest, but rather the focus of their scrutiny. And they missed the opportunity. We have the greatest opportunity before us, and it's just so easy to squander it, isn't it? Just so easy to squander it. You have the power of prayer, but do you pray? You have the Word of God, but do you read it? Do you live it? Does it read you? You have a church that tries to, and I know I'm the one up here, but I try my best to preach the word of God. We have other preachers that come and we make sure they're going to preach from the word of God, not their preferences, but the holy, unadulterated word of God. And yet we're lax in our attendance. We cry unto the Lord only when we need him. We wonder why he cannot hear. Friend, there's an opportunity that we miss. There was so much potential. For these. Can you imagine the revival that would have taken place in Israel if those Pharisees just bowed the knee? You know what they said? We have seen strange things today. This, this is odd. This is peculiar. This is strange instead of falling on their face before holy God and embracing that potential. I want you to notice not just the potential. Jesus knew what was going on in their hearts. He said so. And so he planned a demonstration for them. Notice not only the potential, but I want you to notice the power. In that room with the Lord Jesus Christ, obviously there was infinite, indescribable power present in that room, but two powers presented themselves. Number one was the power to heal physically. The Bible says so in verse 17. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. But also, the second power that makes itself evident is the power to forgive sins. The Lord Jesus Christ, 
said to the man, he says, your sins have been forgiven you. The Bible says, if we can read a little bit further in verse 20, and when he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I stand to thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up the uh, that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. The power to forgive sins. I want you to notice what I believe the Lord was demonstrating to these Pharisees that day was number one, the priority of the forgiveness of sins. The Lord Jesus Christ said on the Sermon on the Mount that if thy hand offend thee, cut thee off, cut it off, it'd be better to enter into glory maimed and halt rather than to enter in hell with a whole body. We, we, we sometimes think that our physical bodies is the most important thing. And, and don't get me wrong, we, we ought to take care of the temple that God has given us. It is the very temple of the Holy Ghost, and we are bought with a price, and I understand that. But listen, the Bible says, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Focus on the spiritual. And the Lord says, listen, what is so more important than this man being healed off this couch right now is that his sins are forgiven. That is the priority. It's interesting. I'll talk sometimes to folks. And, you know, I I have a friend that I text pretty regularly. And they've got some medical issues. And I'll say, hi, how are you doing today? And they'll tell me, well, I... I'm going here, i got to run over to the doctor, and i got this appointment, and next week we got this appointment. They tell me all their appointments, and I want them to because I, I want to be able to pray with them about those things. And they give me this list. And I'm thinking, man, we just, as, as, as human flesh, we run doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor. Does it get easier when you get older? Let me, just anybody? It just seems like we just get lined up with treatments and, and different things. And sometimes we don't even know what it is. I just got this ache over here, you know. And doctor, would you help me? And we go, we see a doctor, and then they'll send us to a specialist, and they'll send us to a, a therapist, and then they'll send us to a chiropractor. And I, I mean, x-rays and CT scans, and then they say, oh, we found nothing. That's just how it works sometimes. But we just, we just race to the doctor for every little thing. How concerned are we about the spiritual? The forgiveness of our sins. How many times have you fallen on your face and just said, God, forgive me. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I messed up again. Lord Jesus Christ, very rarely after the Gospels will you see him say, call upon the Lord and I will heal you. But he tells us to confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That he is a faithful high priest that his blood was shed for our transgressions. And friend, I just want to encourage you today to make priority in your life the forgiveness of our sins, the spiritual man that we might walk with God. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 10, and fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Make the spiritual that priority. There's a physical man and a spiritual man. The physical man is only temporary. But the spiritual man is eternal. 
some principles, the priority of the forgiveness of sins, but I want you to notice the second thing that he was demonstrating was the power of Jesus to forgive. Specifically. This is not just God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God had given all judgment in the hands of his Son. And the Lord Jesus Christ was the one who shed his blood for our sins. And if I can just take a moment aside from the message to share with you once again the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we've all sinned. Every last one of us. You say, well, this message is for somebody else. I don't need to be forgiven. The Bible says there is none that doeth good, no, not one. We are all sinners and have fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty. There's, there's no varying degrees. There's no shoplifting crime where you just get a slap on the wrist and murderers go straight to hell. No, the Bible says the wages of sin. All sin is death. If you were to turn to Revelation today, you would read a list of who's who of sinners. And it says that all blasphemers and murderers and, and, and drunkards and all the rest will be cast in lake of fire. But it also says liars. Right there in the middle of it all. You ever told a lie? He said, well, I just, you know, white lie. Well, just a, just a small lie. Let me ask you this. How many banks do you have to rob to be called a bank robber? How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? Just one. That's why we so desperately need Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but, the greatest but in all the Bible, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why through Jesus? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He died on the cross to pay that death, that penalty. The wages of sin is death, taken care of. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Do you know him today personally? All it takes is for you to come to him in faith and believe that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross to pay the price, not for any sin he ever committed, for he was the spotless, perfect, sinless lamb of God, and he paid the price for our sins. And by simply believing in childlike faith and knowing that he is now our savior, he will wash away our sins and forgive us today. Jesus Christ has the power to forgive sins, and he was letting everybody know in that room you do all these things and you sacrifice all these lambs. The Pharisees and the scribes and the doctors of law, they would have been faithful in the temple worship. They would have been faithful in their synagogues. They would have made the trips to all the feasts. They understood what they all represented. And he says, you do all of that. Let me tell you this. I alone can forgive. I paid it all. And I can forgive you. Jesus has the power. There was already ample evidence in the word of God that he could heal bodies. But now he wanted to tell them, no, it's just as easy for me to forgive sin. It's no easier, it's no harder. It's just as easy for me to say, I forgive you, than it is for me to say, be healed. But so that you know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he turned to the man and he said, rise up and walk. I want you to notice the third thing, and this is, this is important and we're almost done. Listen, notice the purpose. Why did Jesus make this demonstration? Why did he have... Listen, here, when I was studying this, here's what I thought, the thought that I had. That man coming down through the roof, laying on a bed, being lowered down with ropes to his, the feet of Jesus, he was simply an object lesson. That's all he was. 
Absolutely, the Lord healed him because of his faith. He forgave his sins because he saw their faith. But he was an object lesson to the multitudes that were inside that house and others spilling out that Jesus could forgive sin. Now notice the purpose of this lesson. Look, if you will, in verse 23. Whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. Listen, I like this. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I send to thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. What is the purpose? That you may know. That you may know. You say, well, what do you mean by that? It was so important that the Lord Jesus Christ communicated this truth that the Pharisees knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm the one that forgives sins. Let me ask you, do you know that today? There's actually, I, I, I actually did a study. I looked through, through all of this. There's very few things in the word of God that Jesus Christ himself said, I want you to know for sure. You absolutely must know these things. And we find them mostly in the book of John. I want you to turn there. John chapter 10. Look there. We're going to do a little Bible exercise really quick. It was essential that they knew Christ could forgive sin. You say, why is that important? One day you're going to be in trouble. And you're going to try to get yourself out. It's essential that you know you can turn to Jesus. That's what Jesus was teaching them. You guys are trusting in so many things. But do you know that you can turn to Jesus for forgiveness? That you can be cleansed? The blood is sufficient. You can be washed. You can be made clean. You, you can have all your sins buried in the depths of the sea, removed as far as east is from west. Do you know that today? And that is the purpose of this object lesson that the Lord was doing with all these scribes and these Pharisees, but they might know they could come to Jesus and find forgiveness. We get so bogged down with a lot of different things, don't we? And listen, I think the Bible says that when the folks got saved on the day of Pentecost, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and creed, and they learned doctrine, and they, they applied. And we, we sometimes we get so caught up in, in doctrinal studies and different things. Listen, I, I want the lost world to know that they can come to Jesus and be forgiven of their sins. We'll, we'll teach them about justification after they get saved. It will teach them about uh, sanctification after they know that they can come to Jesus and be forgiven. But there's a lost and dying world today, and, and we could go downtown, and we could find people laying in a gutter this morning from a Saturday night drunk that desperately need to know they can be forgiven, that their lives can be transformed by the saving power of Jesus Christ. So Jesus did all of this for one reason. He says, here's why I said this. Here's why I told the man his sins could be forgiven, that ye may know. You need to know this. Oh, it's easy for me to say either one, but I did it on purpose that you might know. Here's some other things that Jesus said I want you to know. Look at John chapter 10, verse 4. And when he put it forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Jesus wants you to know his voice. Isn't that good? Know his voice. I remember, I don't know why this popped into my mind, but uh, I, 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 this is no secret, and I don't mean to hurt anybody by saying this, but 
my wife was my dad's favorite. Isn't that right, Mom? This is, Brother Eric even heard about her at work. She was the favorite. And when Dad was laying in the hospital bed, we were all there and we are talking and doing different things. But when Ida got down and said something to him, his heart rate would go up off the roof. We didn't even know if he could hear. I finally had to say to her, "Hun, you got to be careful because it's just... He's getting excited when he hears your voice. He knows your voice. The Lord says, I want you to know my voice like that. Your heart rate jumps. You know that there's protection. When there's a wolf, you're listening for the shepherd's voice. Calling upon the hills. Because he knows you. The Lord says, I want you to know that you can be forgiven. And I want you to know... My voice. Look at John chapter 10, verse 38. Here's another thing he says he wants us to know. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. So I want you to believe that God is in me, that I and the Father are one, that I am God in the flesh. That's something he wants us to know. You know, there's so many today that that believed that Jesus was just a good teacher. He was a man sent from God, but he was not God. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He was God in the flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He is God, and Jesus said, I need you to know this. I need you to understand that you can be forgiven. I need you to know my voice. I need you to know that the Father dwells within me. Look at the next thing, John chapter 14. Couple pages forward, if you will. John chapter 14. I'm going to read a few verses here. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, ye know. And the way, ye know. Look with Thomas. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus wants you to know the way to heaven, and that way is through him. He is the way. He says, you know where I'm going, and you know the way. And Thomas says, how, how do we? And he says, because I'm the way. Trust in me. He wants us to know that we can come to him to be forgiven. He wants us to know his voice. He wants us to know that the Father is in him. He wants us to know that he is the way. Look at verse 17 of John chapter 14. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. He wants you to know the spirit. He wants you to know that the Comforter lives and dwells within you. He wants you to know that he is the presence of God in your life that will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, let me ask you, do you know all these things today? Are you confident in Christ Jesus and the things that he wants us to know? He wants us to know this. And Look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. He wants you to know that you are saved through Jesus Christ. Do you know that today? The apostles would go on to add a few more things by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The apostle Paul writes to Timothy, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, 
and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul writes to the Philippian church, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made, more, being made conformable unto his death. And in 1 John, the apostle John writes this, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. I'm just saying this today. If you know Jesus, there are some other undisputable facts that you can also know. You can know you're saved. You can know the Spirit dwells within you. You can know his presence. But friends, as Jesus was teaching the disciples, those Pharisees and Sadducees, do you know you're forgiven? Do you know your sins have been cleansed? Let me just say this and I'm done. There are so many today that walk around in guilt and shame. The Bible says a dog is returned again to his own vomit. What, what a terrible thing. Why do we keep going back to those things? But we can live victorious in Christ Jesus when we understand that our sins are as far removed as the east is from the west and buried in the depths of the deepest sea. Hebrews chapter 9, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. You're justified, forgiven. They're washed away. It was important that Jesus made that point. He wants you to know it. He wants us to know it. He wants us to never forgive, forget it. Let, let me say this. There is no peace in uncertainty, is there? There really isn't. Those that suffer with grief and, and sorrow and they continuously uh, live in a, a place of guilt and shame, they need to remember that their sins are forgiven. If they have faithfully called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has washed them, cleansed them, and set them free. Amen. Let me ask you, do you know that today? Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let me ask you again, do you know that today? I want you to think about this. I, I thought about this in summary. Everything that God's sovereign hand allows in our lives is just so that either we or others may know him better. Think about that. So why, why am I suffering? Why is this man, why was this man sick of the palsy? The Lord made it a point to tell them that ye may know your sins can be forgiven. That's why this is going on. Are you willing to allow God to get glory from your life that others might see Christ? Let me ask you today, do you know you can be forgiven. Pastor Paul's going to come and take the invitation as we prepare for baptism today. Those getting baptized can go and get changed. Piano's going to be playing, and if God has spoke to your heart, you step out even now. This altar is open. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, can I encourage you? Would you come today and let somebody help you with the Word of God and show you what it means to have eternal life? You can be forgiven of your sins today. Maybe there's a Christian that's been living in guilt and shame I want you to know that God is our burden bearer, that he took our burden to the cross of Calvary and he shed his blood. And even the ordinances are nailed to the cross. That means the laws that accused us and condemned us have been taken care of and out of the way. That through the blood of Jesus Christ, you can be set free today. You can be forgiven.